to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at DML57. It's a few days before Christmas. The Hawks are terrible, but I've got all my linemates with me this evening to make it through another episode, lamenting the fact that the Hawks have lost, oh, 15 of 16 now, I think is where we're at. It's just been a splendid time to watch this team. Uh, but let's bring in all the usual crew. Up first, the analytics darling of Second City did I say that right? The analytics darling of Second City Hockey you can find on Twitter yes. at Jehovah's Witness. It's Shepard Price. Hi. Uh, the Blackhawks are really bad, and it's not even really on the Joneses anymore. Um, it's <laughs> sort of just on the fact that like they continue to play Jack Johnson 20 minutes a night for no reason, uh, which if they are tanking, which they definitely seems like they are, smart strategy. Just pl- keep the worst so, defenseman on ice on, 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 in the NHL on ice for 20 minutes a night. That's a smart and sound strategy. So what you're saying is they're not quite keeping up with the Joneses anymore. No. Or or they are keeping up with the Joneses. I I don't I don't know how that joke works. But well, I, okay, you know they're keeping they're keep they're keeping up with Caleb Jones. They're not keeping up with Seth. I I, I will say I will, I don't remember the specific game that it happened, but uh, it does seem like they've kind of leaned away from the Jack Johnson top line minutes thing for a while. Any and Jack Johnson getting any amount of time at this point in time is too much. Well, someone's got to play. <laughs> yeah, and now, and, and now and, Jared Tenorti can't because his face is broken. And his and and that person's name is Isaac Phillips. That's yeah. who should be playing. Oh, oh, we're all well. We're gonna get to that in a little uh, bit. Early, early foreshadowing. There you go. What what a tease. <laughs> also with us this evening on Twitter at Mill One Eighty Two, and he is the Second City Hockey. What Shane McGowan is to the Pogues, it's Mill Savage. Yo yo yo. Another exciting episode talking about an exciting hockey team. Definitely, definitely an exciting hockey team. Definitely having so much fun watching this team have every game be a blow up by the second period. Definitely not hating my life whatsoever. No, not at all. Definitely writing in-depth recaps that uh, included 25 Christmas songs instead of writing about the actual game. (laughs) Well, it's seven one. We're just gonna. Well, yeah. Like, what? What's the analysis? They're bad. The Rangers aren't as bad. End of story. Someone our, our recaps, at least they're going to be interesting in some way. Oh, yeah. If that's how demented we're getting before Christmas, imagine what we're going to be like around March. There's a, um, the show Six Feet Under. I don't know if you guys remember that show. I have a screen cap of a guy holding up a big sign that says, you fucking moron. And that's kind of like my next recap, I think. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. They're going to be a recaps are going to start and, getting and, weird. And as as Jay pointed out, it still includes the Joneses, but is actually now just towards everyone on the team. <laughs> also with us this evening, uh, she's not on Twitter, but you can find her at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, and she is the Second City Hockey Bull and Wall of Text. It's Betsy. I was like, Mill, you just curse yourself. You're going to get the one game recap they win. Odds, sure odds are low. It happened to me last week. I, that's what I said. I, he's he's the he's the only person that's won in like or recapped a game in which the Hawks have won 
in like three weeks to to whatever it is. Sixteen games. It's been Should sixteen games, and they've got one win. So that's like at least a month worth of games. Yeah, it's like three and a half weeks. <laughs> it's terrible. Like, um, I feel bad too because I was at, I wasn't around that game, so I didn't even get to post the Eliza gift. So she hasn't danced in a really long time. Does the gift work? Is she dead? Do she we know? <laughs> Somebody took her knees knees out. She can't dance anymore. Well, we, we killed Bob Barker a few episodes ago, but let's not kill off Alicia. Yeah, by, by, asking, well, it's the gift the that time, may not be with us anymore. Yeah, That's by true. the time they win again, we're going to have to use one of those uh, bringing on spinoffs with different actors. <laughs> That's how many years in the future we are. Uh, it's going to be Alicia Dishku's daughter in the Bring It On 5. That'll have to be the new gift. Um, so that they beat the Rangers. That was on December 3rd. The last game they won before that was November 12th against the Anaheim Ducks. So that's in the last, that's what, five weeks of hockey. They've won one game. Holy shit. Yeah, they'd be bad. Um, and, and I think I wrote, like, uh, I, for the Blackhawks week that w- w- was and will be post, a week ago, I wrote, you know, I don't know if the Anaheim Ducks are bad enough uh, or if the Hawks are as bad as the Anaheim Ducks. And then the Ducks won two in a row, and now the Hawks are officially – the last place team in the NHL, both in terms of overall points and points percentage, because I am a jackass for saying so, such thing. <laughs> so did we have a collective uh, musings on Madison motherfuck towards the Ducks? Sure. No, you know it's what? a good we, thing. It's a very good no. thing that that's happened. The Blackhawks, the Blackhawks want Connor no. Bedard. You oh, no, no, no. The best I agree. Connor Bedard I, for, I agree. Losing, I agree. I just mean like we we switched the path that the Ducks we, were on. We spoke it into existence is, is what happened because uh, Bet- yeah. Betsy called it at the start of the season that the, the Ducks yeah. would be a team to concern about. Yes, there is your credit that you've been demanding for three weeks. I know. It's such um, a threat. <laughs> well, and then like I, I think what, what I base it off of is when the Hawks and Ducks played each other. The Hawks beat the Ducks pretty soundly. Like that's the only game I feel like this entire season where I felt like the Hawks won and deserved it. All the other games they've won this year have felt like they've been the result of kind of fluky circumstances like Sam Lafferty scoring two shorthanded goals in a period or uh, just players who are not high offensive uh, producers racking up three or four points. So uh, that's the only game that felt like a legit Blackhawks win. And then they've had a few others where goalies stood on their heads. That's about it. Everything else has just felt kind of fluky. Um, but we haven't had to worry about that for the last five weeks because they've only won one goddamn game. That's true. Fully coming up out of the seams here. <laughs> well, yeah, I, that's Good. that's the thing, Shay. It's like I, I like I my stance on what the Blackhawks are doing this season is well documented. I don't like it. I hate the fact that I'm almost numb to the fact that they're losing games, but I think the losses are piling up so high recently that the numbness is wearing off and, and the pain is excruciating. Once again, it's just miserable to watch them every goddamn game, just soundly get their asses kicked in one way or another. As ah. a fan of the Detroit Lions, can I recommend having a team <laughs> that you think is going to actually win games? <laughs> well, but I mean, I the Lions are winning games all of a sudden now, and are back in the playoff hunt. I don't want my team. That's exactly. I don't want to compare the misery of being a Lions fan to being the Blackhawks fan right now, but there is a substantial difference between an NFL team that plays once a week and an NHL team that plays three or four times a week. There's yeah. I, the problem is the Hawks aren't really an NHL team right now. <laughs> <laughs> Bill I mean, Savage off the top rope. 
Yeah. Well, more so like Brett's rope. I'm more of a middle rope guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little scary on top of that turnbuckle. I don't know if I want to get up there either. Maybe, maybe back in my youth. Yeah. Um, so I, I did have an, a topic I wanted uh, us to dive into tonight and, um, it's a little, it's a kind of foreshadowing. It's not really, well, it's kind of relevant to what happened uh Sunday night's game. Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane skated together for the 1000th time as teammates. I believe they're the 11th NHL duo to ever do it. Keith and Seabrook did it uh, before them. And the only other, I think the only other active pair to to be doing it is Kopitar and Dowdy in LA. Cause I think with all the injuries, Latang, Malkin and Crosby have, I don't believe any duo of those three has ever played a thousand games together. Although I could be wrong on that. Um, but anyway, the point being that with those two players in mind, the obvious discussion around them this season is as a related to their future and whether or not they're going to be part of this beyond March, let alone, uh, in seasons beyond that, um, because everyone expects them to get traded at the deadline. And like, I don't want to get into the whether or not they will be. That's not really like the the point of the discussion. The point of the dis- discussion is one very simple question. And I'm going to swing this over to Shay because Shay uh, told me that uh, they are ready and willing and excited. Maybe not excited, but just ready to talk about this topic. So the question is. What happens if the Blackhawks don't trade Taves and Kane at the deadline? Okay, long term is they probably re-sign both of them at like six million dollars. They both, uh, I think Taves deserves a, a little bit of a pay cut after his last few seasons. He's having a great renaissance this year, but he's also thirty-four. Yeah. Uh, they re-signed for a short term, and they or they re, they re-signed for a low term, low, low AAV. And then keep probably resigning until they retire, and they retire Blackhawks, and we're are some of the last uh, eternally one team players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kane probably does the thing that he clearly wants to do, which is sets every record it, uh, that the Blackhawks have um, outside of goaltending. And uh, yeah, short short term. Uh, the only, I think there's one player on the Blackhawks roster that can possibly ever break a tank. Uh, that, that guy's name is Patrick Kane. And while Patrick Kane is still aging, he's still like his game, his game has never relied. I think on things you have as a younger player than he, that he doesn't have now. I think the fact that he can still operate the stick as well as he can, the fact that he can still pass, he doesn't have teammates who can finish those passes, but let's say the Blackhawks do come in last, regardless of the fact they have uh, Taves and Kane and they get Connor Bedard. You know what I don't want to see next season because it's going to ruin the possibility of getting high draft picks in the future? Connor Bedard and Patrick Kane. That is <laughs> going to be a good combo. And yeah. I, and also, well, Connor Bedard should not get used to a, a, a line mate of Patrick Kane's caliber if they're together next season <laughs> Well, because you know, he won't have one. In the well, you, you, well, the hope is that there's another, like maybe not another Patrick Kane waiting in the wings, but that there's other high te- players with high skill levels waiting to join the Where? team either. Well, free agency, Where? maybe okay. a, a big, maybe assign a Willie Nylander when he hits free agency in a few years. But I, I guess there's more, it's, I guess the, the thought is, is it a problem if they don't trade? And cause I keep coming, I, I bet I'm going to swing this around to Betsy uh, to get her thoughts on this, but cause I, I don't, the more and more I think about it, like the whole point, like 
the the player that was going to garner the most value in a trade is already gone, and that was Alex Dabrinkit. Because I think Dabrinkit had more value in a trade because he's so much younger than Kane. Um, Kane will fetch a pretty good return. Yeah. How good that is? Eh. I Every time a player in his 30s gets traded, it seems like the return is underwhelming. And so the point being for me that I don't think you're going to get a massive return for Taves and Kane anyway. So if you find a willing trade partner, go ahead, trade them. But I guess what the thing I'll direct to you, Betsy, is is it really a big deal if they don't get anything from them in a trade? If they don't get anything for a trade and then they walk, it's a it's bad. But if they re-sign them, it's not the end of the world. It's just a little disappointing um, just because they did trade so many and didn't keep other young players that could have helped the team too. I don't think – I don't know if the team would be that much better with a bunch of – I'm sure it would be better than last place with the Brinkett on it, but I don't know if it would be that much better. Right. So sometimes you just look at this and you're like, well, they've already taken all these steps for a collapsible rebuild. And so if they if they lose Taves and Kane for nothing, then that kind of sucks. If they re-sign them, then you can look at the positives of, okay, you've got kids learning from these guys. Because no matter what you take away from them on the ice, Taves is great at mentoring. Kane has always taken young players under his wing. They all mm-hmm. flock to him. Um and just watching them play in general gives them good ideals. So there's positives and negatives. It's just if they walk, that's the that's the worst case scenario, which I don't know if either one of them would. That's Yeah, it feels like if they don't get traded in March, like they're back for the season or two after that. And I, I guess I guess the, the whole thought is that if uh they don't get traded at the deadline, like then they're around to see if there's like a short burst when Bedard or Fantilli or whoever shows up next season. And then maybe Korchinski shows up and Reichel comes up. You get this infusion of young talent and combine that with the veterans they already have. And maybe they're not so miserable next season. And maybe Taves and Kane hang around for that year. And then we see where we are after that. Um, I just, I, I guess I don't know how big of a deal it is, even if they walk in free agency, because what are you going to get for Taves? Like a mid late round pick at this point? I mean, any, any asset is better than no asset. True, but it's just you I never know who's gonna be that. We were just we were just talking about um, New, New, New Jersey Devils, and they have a couple of kids, including Jasper Bratt, that he was a late round pick, uh, later round pick, and you know, like teams have to hit on those. You mm-hmm. can't just be a bunch of first first round picks, you know. Um, so I don't mind them. Get what you can. It's when they and we all know that we're not. There's not going to be a lot coming back for Taves. Um, not a lot, a lot. I actually don't think there's going to be that much coming back from Kane. Um, yeah. So, so that that that's kind of my thing. Like, I feel like the bit the big pieces that they're going to get in trades, like they've already got them from trading Doc and Debrinket and all that. And you know, I I feel like the piece that you're going to get in from a Kane a return for Kane in the grand scheme of things is not that big of a deal. Yes. Like to your point, Bessie, like you do want to have as many cracks at landing uh, a stud, whether that be in the first, second, third, fourth round, you want as many potential pieces as possible. But I feel like the piece that you might lose in getting nothing for Patrick Kane, ultimately, I feel like that's not as big of a piece as I, as it would have been for like someone else, I guess. 
that's where I, that's where I'm at. It's just it doesn't seem like it's as big of a deal to me if Taves and Kane don't get traded anymore. I, you know, I, I think, think it'll can... actually. Well, I was going to say I think it's actually going to hurt the fan base and the the credibility of the organization what? more than it will. Because people will bitch a lot. That's that is a fair point, Shay. Uh, Shay yes. What were you going to yeah. say? I think you can definitely get a first round pick for Patrick Kane still this season. It's Patrick Kane. It's a, it's yeah. one of the best American skaters of all time. It'll uh, be a late round pick though. Yeah, it would. It will certainly be a late round pick, and I I feel like I have less optimism than you do, Shay, about the Hawks being able to get a late round pick. But I want to swing it over to Mill and let Mill uh, let Mill chime in with uh with some thoughts on this this general idea that we have. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think it really depends on what 19 and 88 want. Um, sure. The reason I, I say that just because they're so far down this path of like, you know, if they were going to trade them, it probably should have been quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but they couldn't make up their minds if they were in a rebuild or whatever, you know. And and as pointed out, who knows what the return's going to be. If they want to stay, sure. But I, I really think they have to sit down and say, hey, like, do you guys want to stay here and finish your careers here because of the career you've had, even though you might not be on a winning team? Or do you want to go win? Or do you want to get traded come back? I mean, that could happen. I know it seems like a blemish in, like, the timeline, but that happens. It Well, I'm trying to think of an incident where that, where like somebody, some like franchise player got traded away and then came back to that team. Well, he wasn't a franchise player, but Antoine Vermette. All right, there's one. <laughs> well, I mean, just <laughs> one more to, than like, I was going to think e- of. Even go to ahead. retire, though, you know, like they yeah. they could say like, hey, you know, I want to go win, play once or twice, and then sign here and retire in Blackhawk. Yeah. Well, I, I guess the, the other part of it, and I've been trying to think about this and look it up as you've been talking, Mill. Uh, if, if anyone has a comp for this, throw it out. I'm just trying to think of a player at or even near Patrick Kane's caliber that got traded near the end of his career and what kind of return they got in that trade. Well, um, you're looking, you're, there's only one recently, recently, and that was Jerome Gillen. Oh okay, because that's that was one name. I, I had two names. I had his name, and I also had Marty San Luis, who got traded uh, from Tampa to New York. And in his age 38 season. So he was certainly older and it's, it's a really long paragraph of what the trade was. Cause I believe there were, there were only two teams involved, but he was traded with the second round pick that became two first round picks. So I guess there is a, a more historical precedent and Kane is younger than San Luis was at the time of that trade for the yeah. Ginla trade. He was sent from Colorado, you know, his initial trade from Calgary to Pittsburgh was for a first round pick and two prospects who I've never even heard of. Kenny Agostino think. and Ben Hanowski. Quick question. Did St. Louis have a no movement clause? Because the whole thing about Iggy's trade was that there were, he narrowed it down to four teams of which the Blackhawks were one. And then it got down to two. And supposedly the Bruins had the better package and they, that's why they all thought it was done. And then he ended up going with the penguins and the package was not as good. Okay. Well, I, I guess there the nice thing is there is a first round pick in there still, so that does support Shay's conclusion. Or, or yeah, I think they'll definitely be able to get a late first rounder for him. I just late first round picks aren't particularly more valuable than yeah. a third rounder. Well, so. and, and they've already got. I mean, for the next two years, the Hawks have in the draft they have two first round picks, two second round picks, and two third round picks. That's pretty good. Yeah, I so, really think though it comes back to if they want to go, then they're just going to get what they can. Like I don't, I don't know if the team cares to trade them or not. 
Yeah, I, I think it's just I, I I guess the reason I've I've come to this question is I, I remain unconvinced that they want to leave. And that and like that's entirely through my own exterior perspective. I don't have any inside from information. I've never spoken with either of them ever, nor do I have inside sources. But I just I don't there's just a general feeling I don't think they want to go. And I like I, I guess my only thought would be that they are curious about um whatever this next wave of players coming in is be, could be. And the good news is the Blackhawks are still are still last place with both of them and they will only continue to age. So they're only going to get worse from here. Yeah. And it's and it's not like the Hawks are going to throw a, another five-year contract at either one of those players. I I don't assume that would happen. Uh I um, I, I would assume if they hang around for another contract beyond this season, it's like two, maybe three seasons at the most. And I cert- uh, uh Kane's contract will come down a little bit. I think Taze might come down even more based off of uh, performance and all that. But yeah, I, and, and the other thing is like, if you look at the Blackhawks roster, other than the Seth Jones contract, like they don't have – they can afford to give them a two or three year deal. And even if it's bad by the second or third year of that contract, it won't last so long that it's going to affect them in the long, in the grand scheme of things, because with all these young players allegedly coming up in the next few years, they're going to have so many entry level contracts. They're going to be closer to the salary cap floor than they are to the salary cap ceiling. So uh, I, I don't think there's any substantial risks involved in that, but I guess we'll, uh, we'll have to cross the bridge when we get there. But yeah, I guess I don't know. I just don't uh, I don't think I, I really don't think that if I had to pick right now, I would wager that they're not going anywhere at the deadline. I really just that's just my gut feeling right now. Maybe another stretch of 15 losses in 16 games will change that. <laughs> yeah. All right. There we go. I mean, Matt, do you and what do the three of you think? Like if I had to ask your gut feeling right now. Do you think those two players are still here come April? No. No. Mill? Uh, I think one is and one isn't. Really? Which one? Then which one? Who's still here? Uh, I think Kane. Okay. I think Kane is the obvious one to trade because of value and him helping a team in the playoffs. But I feel like if they do split it up, Taves might just want to go compete elsewhere. Mm-hmm. This is just a wild guess. I'm not saying this is realistic, but I just I'm just saying, and I feel like because they don't have to, a team won't have to give up much for him. They might find him valuable in a run, like as a third line C or something like that. Yeah, I, I think he could be just fine as a third line center on a contending team. Hell, I could see him coming back next season to be the Hawks' third line center. He obviously would probably need to have a slightly lower salary, but. Um, and I think he'd probably be pretty good in that role. But. Who, who would be above him? I mean, if Reichel. you landed Lucas Reichel and yeah. Connor Bedard. There okay. you go. They haven't. They didn't even play Lucas Reichel at center when he came up earlier. Yeah, I, I know. Oh, well, we talked about that last week. How I know. annoyed I am that they wouldn't play him at center. Yeah, I mean that. No, that's a fair point. Like I don't know who else they would play above him. But right, Nazer. Well, uh, you know, he, I think he's, he's going to need to go back to college and actually play for a year. Oh, for sure. Because yeah, he had this year uh, injured, so so yeah, I'll have to wait another year for that. Um, yeah, I guess yeah. So the, uh, that's a good point, Betsy. Uh, if Tays come back to next season, he would again be the second setter by default, behind Fantilli or Bedard, assuming at the top. 
unless they sign another one-year deal with a player like Max Domi. Well, I, I assume Max Domi's getting traded. In oh, Max Domi's like, getting traded. Yeah. But like a player like him with like a one-year deal. Yeah, fair uh, point. Like a Strom, for example. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Bring Strom back after he walks in free agency in, uh, in Washington or something. That'd be that'd be interesting. He's going to get a good contract out of playing there. I, I feel like this regime is now going to not start bringing everybody back after they get traded. That I think has come to an end. Oh, oh, we're not going to bring back uh, Eric Gustafson for the ninth time. What's he had John a hat trick the other night. Him? Yeah, I saw that on Hockey Night in Canada. Which, no I mean, to be fair, like Gustafson was never bad at offense. Like he was a for one season, he was a sixty point player. Uh, the yeah, that's when they should have traded him. Yeah, exactly. But you know, he was. We knew. Everybody in Chicago should have known he could play offense. It's the other side that gets a little questionable. But if you put him, if you have enough defensive depth that you can just leave him in the offensive zone for the entire game, he probably played rather well and seems to be doing just fine in Washington. So, so good for him. Yeah. Unlike that Kirby Doc. <laughs> Your I'm biggest just, rival, not yeah. named the Chicago Wolves. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. I hope Kirby Dak's doing fine in Montreal. Although I don't think he had a, a point in the last week. So just saying. All right. Well, uh, speaking of, well, still Blackhawks prospects, uh, they made a bunch of roster moves Monday morning. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick timeout. We're going to come back and talk about all those roster moves, including that one defenseman that Shay mentioned at the open, who uh, could be something unlike the last few months of the season could actually be something to watch as a sign of what's coming down the road for this team. So uh, come on back on the other side of this break for all of that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison uh, here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. As promised before the break, I wanted to take you through a uh, quite the journey of Blackhawks moves that happened on Monday morning. Uh, first off, Alex Stalock is back after the concussion he suffered on November 1st, which is a good sign because he had a few setbacks. So it's nice to see that he's got a clean bill of health. Uh, correspondingly, they sent, I almost said Anton Forsberg for some reason. They sent Harvin Soderblom back to the AHL, which thank God. Oh, because, thank God. Yeah. Watching him get shelled with six and seven goals a night could not have been good for a development. Like he got, they gave him a mock cheer when he made a save in the third period last night. It's like, what the fuck do you want him to do? Uh, so, so yeah. So let's sort of go back down to the AHL and develop there. Uh, other news was that Jared Tenorti has a facial fracture, which um, just really, really rough stretch for the guy. Like he got a wound under his chin a few weeks ago. It had like 50 to 100 stitches, was wearing a, the face shield strap thing of jig. And that apparently he's had that off for like two games. And then he got hit in the face with a slap shot. So uh, I don't, didn't see any specific timeline for how long he is going to be out, but he's out long enough that they called up Isaac Phillips from the ice hogs to replace him. And I assume Isaac Phillips will be one of the first guys into the lineup on Wednesday nights because uh, he's been playing extremely well for Rockford. And this is where I want to throw it over to our ice hogs correspondent, Betsy, uh, to tell us what Isaac Phillips has been up to this season to maybe get an idea of what he's going to look like or just maybe uh, just a general feeling of what he's been, uh, how he's been faring down and out with the Ice Hogs. Well, I think everybody who's read um, Second City knows that we are very big fans, um, and I in particular really love Phillips. So I'm excited to, to see him. He's only 21. Um, 
he's got decent size. He's six three. He's over two hundred. He's like two oh five or two oh eight. He's, he's a skate- big boy. Yeah, he he skates extremely well for his size. He knows how to activate um, well offensively, which is something he's been working on. Um, I'm pretty sure he leads the defenseman. Uh, I know he has 17 points in 25 games. Um, for a minute there, Galvis was leading, but I'm pretty sure. Phillip oh, that's right. Jacob him. Galvis. Forgot about him. Sorry. Yeah. Go on. Um, and he's just been very steadily climbing up the charts, I think, uh, of the Blackhawks prospect pool, because last year he and Mitchell, like mm, about halfway through the season became the undisputed top pairing of the team and Mitchell was great like easily the best player but Phillips wasn't that far behind him and the only reason I think that they called up uh Regula or anybody else before him Vlasic whatever is because he was just younger than them a little bit more raw um but his athletic ability is so cool to watch on the ice. Um, he's a strong, I think he's a stronger skater, not necessarily a faster skater. Um, he's really good with his checks. His positioning is pretty strong. All of this is at the AHL level, obviously, but if he can figure out how to translate that, I think that, that his, like, the way that how mature he is physically will be, will lend himself to working in the NHL. The bigger boys that are Vlasic and Regula, I think, are still learning how to use their size, even in just the AHL properly, and Phillips has already mastered that. So this will be an interesting contrast to see how he works when he gets up here, because I hope they don't, like, like this doesn't burn him or taint him <laughs> with how bad the team is. Right. But I'm really excited just to see, can he skate at that level? And that's all I really, like, all you really want to see is he plays smartly. Um mm-hmm. At that point, but yeah, I guess it's while pretty- we're while we're here on the subject of Blackhawks prospects playing in Rockford, we should mention that Alex Vlasic has been ruled out for about six weeks with a fibula fracture, so yeah. which puts him out till roughly the start of February. Um, so I don't know if Vlasic was going to be the guy to get called up before Phillips, uh, but it's kind of irrelevant now because Vlasic is out and Phillips got the call. Uh, to Betsy's point, though, uh, everything you're reading, seeing, and hearing out of Rockford is that Isaac Phillips is playing very well. It'll just be fascinating to see how many how many minutes he gets when he comes to Chicago. I don't believe the Hawks practice today, which would be Monday. So maybe at Tuesday's morning skate, or not Tuesday's morning skate, Tuesday's practice before the game on Wednesday, uh, we'll get an indication of where they're going to insert him into the lineup. So I'm intrigued. Uh, it's for once in a great while, like it's something to watch because uh, Ian Mitchell's time in the NHL has not been the most. Uh, I just, I, I guess, it hasn't really stood out in any way. So it's kind of been a bummer so far. Very small sample. Not going to write anything off just yet. But um, maybe Isaac Phillips will give us all something interesting to look forward to. Any other uh, observation or Shay or Mel? Did you have any thoughts on Isaac Phillips you want to chime in with or things to watch? Phillips has been argue, has been one of, if not the best defenseman in the uh, AHL this season. So yeah, him coming like, up is a very good thing. Plus minus isn't the best statistical evaluator, but he is the best. I think he had one of, if not the best plus minuses in, among all AHL defensemen. And for a team that's only mildly above 500, like Rockford is right now, that's, that's pretty good. Certainly doesn't hurt. No. And uh, for me, 
can't be worse than what we're watching now. <laughs> you say, and that, I don't Mill. mean that's a slight. I don't mean that to slight him. It's just like, oh, it's something mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah, yeah, I hope he does good. Yeah, it's just I, I'm looking at the roster right now. They have seven healthy defensemen, uh, two Joneses, Jack Johnson, Jake McCabe, and Mitchell Connor Murphy, and now Phillips. Uh, one of them's not going to play Wednesday night, and uh, I fear it's going to be Ian Mitchell almost absolutely. Like, I feel like that's what's going to happen. Um, whatever. That's, I'll t- that's the so one other you were just talking about plus or minus, which, yeah, you're right, it's not a great scat. But um, if you do look at just general um, even strength scoring um, rates that they, you know, that kind of stuff, he's got one of the best in the HL, um, which is not, you know, like we always talk about how. Um, we don't need our defensemen to score. Well, the Blackhawks need scoring. So <laughs> just scoring in general. Anybody that can put the goddamn puck in the net. <laughs> so I'm hoping that they'll at least put him in situations where that can work. Um, because confidence is something you do not want to break. Yeah. Out of these kids. So, I mean, yeah, he's gotten he defensively. He's always been pretty strong green, but like has natural instincts and the athletic ability to pull off moves. Um, but he's really come around offensively and that's just something you can do softer in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So putting him in the position to succeed, unlike what they did with Reichel, which was put him with bottom six players, <laughs> <laughs> you know, would be ideal. I, I wonder Mike, maybe if they'll sit, I mean, I got it. If they scratch Jack Johnson and just put Phillips and Mitchell together on the, top pairing in Chicago. Cause they were the, as you said, Betsy, like they were together on the, what was the top pairing for Rockford so much last season, like put them together at the NHL level and see if something clicks there. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You know, that's not going to happen. I you know, know it's, it's not going to, Jack Johnson's not going to sit. They might get right. paired together. But they, it would be yeah. like Caleb Jones sitting or something. Well, like the top, the top pairing has been the last few games. It's been Seth Jones with Jake McCabe. Who McCabe has been having a pretty great season considering the Blackhawks in general are terrible. Dude, I don't know if I want to use the word great, but I'll say better than expected or better than last bounce season. Back. Okay. Bounce back. Okay. I'll give you a bounce back. He's uh, been very steady. Yeah. And I think Murphy was skating primarily with Tenorti in the last game before Tenorti's face was broken. So uh, I guess that's where the one opening is on the blue line let's see i'm i'm scrolling through the shift charts right now at uh natural stat trick and yeah, yeah it was murphy and tenority so that would have left caleb jones with jack johnson so i don't know if they're going to break up that pairing or what but i, I guess yeah i guess we'll find out at uh tuesday's practice and then uh, uh, have it confirmed at wednesday's game i just think the isaac phillips story is just interesting because during the uh the abbreviated pandemic season. So that would have been the 2020, 2021 season. Like he was supposed to be in the OHL, but that uh, the OHL didn't play that season. So they made a special exemption to allow OHL players to go to the AHL. And Phillips did. And was, that was, if I remember correctly, he was really, really good that season, surprisingly so. And that's what kind of got him shooting up the organizational depth chart a little bit. And now he's, back up at the NHL. He got four games last season, but it was only playing like 12 and a half minutes a game. But uh, hopefully we get some more of that in the future. Uh, Just some more players taking advantage of opportunities that they were given one way or another. And then they end up playing a lot of NHL time. But like I said, that's uh, I think to Mill's point, uh, it could be certainly can't be worse than anything else we've seen. So hopefully Isaac Phillips gives us a little bit of a reason for hope that 
somebody else on the team is going to be part of this squad in the future. Um, but I'm all out of Blackhawks thoughts. Does anybody else have any Blackhawks thoughts before we do what we do best? No. I think we need to no. stop talking about, like, stop thinking about the Blackhawks. <laughs> um, Sanity. I'll say one. I have one Blackhawks thought. Okay. So uh, it goes back to the New York game. Peter I thought it was. I thought it was cool that the Hawks and Rangers, since they only played each other twice, wore reverse retros against each other. Kind of a nice original six nod. Okay. But the Hawks fucked theirs up. <laughs> so it was like a huge disappointment. Like if they would have had the, like with the crest, like the circle crest with the barber pole stripes, that's all we wanted. And I, I think the Lady Liberty is a cool, like, it's not as good as the regular Rangers shirts, but it's a nice 90s nod, whatever. Okay. So I was like, oh, that's a cool original six nod, but what the fuck, Hawks? I didn't, like, the, I, I, I appreciate Miller, who's our resident athletic aesthetics correspondent, chiming in, because we uh, we're, might need to do more talk about uh, uniforms, because God knows it's better than anything else happening with this team. Um, I when, Whenever they reveal uniforms, for the first time, I try to not get too takey one way or another based on what just the sweater looks like, because um, like last season's reverse retros, just the plain black and white ones. I didn't like them initially, but when they got on the ice and the, like, you saw the whole package where the whole uniform was black and white, I thought that was that was a pretty cool look so much that I actually did buy one. Um, and then I put to bring its name on it. So now it's going to collect dust in my closet forever. But um the ones this season, like when they came out initially, it was like, oh, it's just kind of boring. And then I seen them on TV a few times now and nothing. Just same thing. Just kind of boring. Didn't like yeah, it. Yeah. And like the thing for me is I, I always think about it against a white sheet of ice playing another team. But also like it, from a cash perspective, cash grab kind of thing for fans, you got to be able to sell something somebody wants to wear with jeans. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, That's true. If you had like a, a logo on the front, and also the Hawks logo on the shoulder looks weird. You know what I mean? It's like on one yeah. shoulder. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. I, I, have, I, I haven't really is, thought about that, but yeah, the, the that particular logo on the shoulder does. It just it's not. I maybe because it's not a round shape, so I feel like logos on the shoulder should be round somehow. And it's only on one side, which is like I know teams do that, but it's kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah. No. So well, sorry, that was, for, I know that's the important stuff, but yeah, that was our, that was our <laughs> athletics aesthetics corner with Mill Savage. Thank you very much, Mill. Appreciate it. Yeah, no uh, problem. Very nice, very jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, so hey, uh, Christmas is in five days. Uh, we're also in the second day of Hanukkah, I believe. So the holiday season is in full effect. And uh, with us being the best food-themed hockey podcast on the internet, as every Nielsen rating will tell you, uh, we have some. Well, actually, I was going back to the episodes last year, and we touched on a lot of Christmas topics. I feel like we 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 hit to all fields and maybe dabbled everywhere. I don't know if we really hammered in on one topic specifically, and I feel like we're going to do that tonight, and Shay's going to lead us into the topic. So, Shay, please lead us into this topic. Yeah, so Christmas is a time of cheer and Yule and eggnog, and I know that everybody's a fan of eggnog, but I am. Um, and it's also a time of Christmas cookies and holiday cookies and just in general, good cookies. Mm, uh, so goodness. I wanted to go around, around the table, uh, and, and say, uh, what, what everybody's favorite holiday cookie is. And my, I'll start with mine, which is seven layer bars. Cause you, you, you can't go wrong with, with toasted coconut and chocolate and butterscotch oh. and 
butterscotch. Uh, See, I call it magic bars. Okay, they are in our family at seven layer. I I I feel like I've never had these before, but I am intrigued. So we've definitely talked about these before because I believe Shay and I had this. I think we were like, woo, about these at one point, sometime in the past. But I don't remember if it was on the pod or in one of the, like... One of our sidebars? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, Shay, you're going to need to ship some of those in Northwest Indiana Pronto this year for me. <laughs> so, all right. uh, or, or, or maybe uh, I'm going to Google it and see if I could find, like, a recipe or... I, oh, there's for sure recipes. Just like and they're layer super bar. easy to make. Well, there's my... My other thought was like, if there's like a nearby bakery that will have some, to, I don't have to make them. I can just do the fun part of eating. There them. should be. But uh, so what are what are these seven layers? Go go through as go through them. Uh, okay, because it for, sounds for, delicious. Great. Uh, so I think butter counts as a layer because you use a stick, a full stick of butter. Okay. Um, yeah, and then you use we'll graham cracker. Okay. Graham cracker. Okay. Uh, on top of the graham cracker goes uh, butterscotch chips. On top of the butterscotch okay. chips go. Uh, Chocolate chips. Okay. On top of the chocolate chips go uh, like crushed up pecans or a different walnuts or a different kind of nut. Okay. On top of the the, the nut goes a co- toasted goes coconut, which will be toasted. On top of the to- on top of the coconut goes uh, evaporated milk or, or sweet sweet and condensed milk. Okay, I. Uh... This sounds good. I, I have no objections to it. It sounds like an interesting uh, mix of flavors, but it doesn't sound like anything that won't work. Yeah, so, and if you don't like all of those different chips, as long as you, because like sometimes people don't like the butterscotch chips on them, um, you can totally do it without. But you have to keep the coconut. You have to keep the chocolate chip, chocolate. the milk, the butter, and the graham crackers. You could probably do without pecans or walnuts. Pecans are like the normal thing. Um, they're better with pecans, um, but sometimes butterscotch chips are hard to find. Okay. I just Googled this, which this might be the exact flow of conversation we had last year. And if somebody else actually remembers that, I, I thank you for listening to both episodes that intently because <laughs> I don't even remember it. But uh, as I'm looking at these pictures now on Google, I've definitely had these before. I enjoy them. I wouldn't put them as my favorite, though, but not not a bad not a bad nominee, though. Absolutely. So. Betsy, what's your pick? Um, so I can't pick that because actually, I'm not even uh, sure those are. Are they technically cookies? I don't. I well, it, it, it says it what's says that? magic cookie bars everywhere. Yeah. I'm looking on magic bars, cookie. what we call them. But like, yeah, I don't. Either way, they're delicious. Well, um, we do we want to get into the what makes it a cookie debate? <laughs> um, I don't dough. Know. There has to be dough, I guess. That makes well, it Well, because I don't even know if the one that I'm about to say is technically... Like, it is a cookie because they're called... Um, either, they're either the pecan snowball cookies or they have other names that are called um, Mexican wedding wedding cake cookies. Wedding cookies. These they're are like, good, yeah. Yeah, sweet, nutty pecan balls. <laughs> Shortbread. What? In your mouth. That's... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm a child. So, Shwe- sweet, sweaty balls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're delicious. So I 100% think everybody should have them. Um, they have like a Russian name too, I believe. But it's not like uh, I was going to say kolachkis, but that's not it at all. No, kolachkis are a pastry. Yeah, 
I was trying to think yeah, of a, no. a rush a Russian name for a treat that I have had. These uh, are essentially like shortbread with pecan in them, vanilla, um, usually sugar all around it. Yeah, you roll them in sugar. So okay. good. I've got I uh, again uh, make similar, them small enough that you can pop this one in your mouth. <laughs> similar to Shay's uh, offering, I have no complaints here and would happily eat them at my Christmas celebration or any other holiday celebration. I would eat them at any time. That's fine with me. Um, Mill, what about you? What's your uh, what's your offering to this? Well, aside from your sweaty balls, um, <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, the, the Molly Shannon in me wants to say that, but I, uh, I like Oreo balls a lot. I don't know if that counts. Well, um, I mean, Oreos are cookies, so close enough. Yeah. My mom, see, like my mom makes them for like Christmas and sometimes like Easter. So I kind of associate it with holidays. Okay. And I like Oreos are good, but I like the, the consistency of these and they're slightly richer, but not too rich. Um, I don't know. I, I like those a lot. The magic bars or magic cookie bars are delicious, but I don't know how to make them. Uh, <laughs> I used to have a client at my old job who would bring them in for us and they're fucking awesome. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I like dessert. I'm not going to be too picky about this. Right. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's cookies. They're going to be bad, but I mean, if, if you had to like, we're going to, I'm going to force you to pick one though, Mill. like what's, what's going to be your, <laughs> what's your, like, if you see a giant platter of Christmas cookies, which one are you grabbing first? All right. I'll say this. If the Oreo balls are there, that's what I'm going to. Okay. But I think that variety is the best thing you can have. Well, variety is the spice of life. So they say, you know, like if you have a little bit of the best cookies, maybe take your top five and make a big tray. You're in business, you know? Okay. I'll, uh, again, no, uh, no objections from me. Uh, I need to throw my offering in there and I'm going to confess there might be an element of recency bias here because I had one earlier today and it was delightful. Um, gingerbread cookies. I feel like don't get enough credit. Like there's just, if, if it's well done, if it's like the fresh and the, and the, the dough is, it's not too hard. It's nice and moist to some people may he- hate hearing all that. Um, but a good, just a good gingerbread cookie is it's like the perfect amount of holiday based seasoning in there that it's just, it's just right for the holiday season. So I'm going to throw gingerbread cookies on there. In fact, I'm going to go to the grocery store later this evening. I'm probably, I'm either going to buy some gingerbread cookies or get the shit to make it myself. Cause, uh, it's, it's Christmas week. Damn it. Calories don't. Yeah. Count. Gingerbread cookies rock. Uh, I will say just shout out to my father. Uh, he, his his go to is molasses cookies, oh, which is yeah. just gingerbread but yeah, darker. Ginger snaps, <laughs> not oh, ginger okay. snaps, molasses like pure molasses. Interesting. Yeah, those are good too. Those are good. Like anything that's got this ginger <laughs> base is pretty good. I feel like it's hard. Like don't get me wrong, and there's some that aren't great, but it's hard to mess up. Like if you're making some kind of good Christmas cookie or holiday cookie or whatever, like it's hard to mess it up. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I, know, I feel like most sugar-based things, it's like, at the end of the day, it's going to taste decent. Yeah, like you got to really mess it up, like, to, to for it to be, like, bad. Like, you almost have to really hate your family and want them to hate your cookies. Like, it, it's almost you would make it bad out of spite. Yeah, if, you, if you put an element of love in it, there's another. There <laughs> exactly, <are> exactly, <laughs> Shay. If any cookies that are made with love are good cookies. 
Um, I was going to suggest if people like eggnog. Have you guys ever had eggnog cookies? Um, I've not had eggnog cookies, but again, I love eggnog. Yeah, same. Look up, same. look up recipes or places that might have it because I had them for the first time last year. And I was surprised that I liked them because I do not like eggnog, but the, the parts of eggnog that aren't bad to me. <laughs> That's what this, this cookie made it. So I like the cookies fine. You know what, Shay? I might actually, I think I might need to take you up on this idea of the eggnog cookies because in my fridge, I'm actually holding it in my hands because I want to see if it was still there. Uh, at Thanksgiving, I had some of my siblings and cousins over here and somebody left a a carton of traditional eggnog uh southern comfort eggnog in my fridge it's not alcoholic it's not even opened and uh the expiration date isn't until january so maybe i make some eggnog cookies they are excellent what what else do i need like what like sugar and i literally just put the thing in the eggnog is the best i'm a big eggnog milkshake man just oh, it, it's it's like it's like pumpkin pie to me. It's, it, it's just just for Christmas, and this is going to be a weird comparison because it's the spices. It's all about the spices. If you spice your eggnog appropriately, it's going to be good. So, how, what do you spice it with then? If we're, if we're here, we might as well let the people know what they're going to be <laughs> spicing it up with. I mean, I got I got a, a cabinet full of cinnamon and nutmeg and plenty of other Christmassy seasonings. So uh yeah, those are those are two like necessary ones that are at the top of the bat. So what what else you got? Anything else I should have? What goes in eggnog? Betsy, let, let me you're the one with the eggnog cookies. What what spices does do they call for? Uh cinnamon, nutmeg. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty much it. Okay. Maybe maybe like a dash of vanilla extract extract. <laughs> I, I a little, like, yeah. For some reason, I, I can't say yeah. that word all of a sudden. I, I think in general, vanilla makes everything. Yeah, richer. vanilla. So for the cookies, you do eggnog, flour, salt, nutmeg, cinnamon, butter, sugar, egg yolks, oh. vanilla extract, oh, and make, eggnog glaze. I'm gonna make the hell out of some cookies. What eggnog glaze? It's made from it's you. Uh, so you use the eggnog in both the cookie batter and in the glaze. It's just a different concentration. Um, okay. And the glaze is eggnog, nutmeg, and sugar, and you like whip it up to make it like a drizzle. All right. Well, I, I mean, I've uh, I'm not really been a big baker in my day. Uh, I've been more. Uh, I'm an adequate cook. I wouldn't say good, but uh, I might have to give baking a shot here. I think we're if gonna. You, if you can't, I think I've been inspired glaze, by this podcast. It'll be fine without the glaze. They'll just be like eggnog, like snickerdoodle types. That, which snickerdoodles I mean, also yeah oh snickerdoodles excellent oh, delightful <laughs> well we're like just keep naming cookies. i'm i we'll like i have all. it is like it's about 7 30 in the evening i have not had dinner yet and all i want to do is just eat about three dozen cookies for dinner now and then feel sick to my stomach until christmas um but i think that's yeah. going to do it for this episode uh, any other final thoughts before we uh part go our separate ways I, this was way more fun than talking about the Blackhawks for another 15 minutes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> they yeah, do have well, two games. I should quickly, like, they do have two games this week. Wednesday at home to the Predators. Then Friday at home to the Blue Jackets. I am very curious about this game. Uh, it has nothing to do with the actual game itself. I'm curious if this game is actually going to get played. Because the way they are talking about this blizzard that's on its way to the Chicago area, I don't know how this game, like, I'm, I'm a little 
curious to see how this is going to yeah, happen. Yeah, wasn't there a game where, I don't know if it got canceled or pushed back, they were playing like the Panthers or something, and they couldn't even get the buses through one year? I, Do you I, remember I, that? All of my, like, my brain, like, I, as I was listening to the podcast last year about to get idea for the food discussion this evening, it was reminding me that we had the two week shutdown last year because there was another COVID outbreak in the NHL and they just shut everybody down for two weeks. So all of my hockey related postponements have been because of COVID, not weather. I feel like it's more likely in Canada to have a weather induced uh, or Buffalo apparently or Buffalo because it's basically Canada. They played that fucking football game. Uh, That was wild by the way. That snow was like the day before, like, this game is Friday night. The storm is arriving overnight Thursday and then like all day Friday. P- please look at your local weather reports. Don't take my word for it. But that's the way from the most recent news that I saw the way it's coming. Like I don't like depending on where Columbus stays, like I don't even know. A, they got to get into the city and then all the players got to get to the stadium. And then like I from a blackhawks front office perspective how the hell are any of your fans going to make it to the stadium well, that's the thing is like even if the game gets played how many people are going to be there between the state of the team and the weather <laughs> yeah like friday getting into games on fridays is hard anyway because people are getting out of work and it's like all crazy traffic well and usually like that's a perfect way to kick off the holiday weekend is to take your family to a blackhawks game regardless of how bad they are i think that would be a, a high selling game just to something to do with your family and friends who are yeah in and then after the holidays and then after christmas and new year's the tickets are dirt cheap yeah so i i'm just i'm intrigued to see what's going to happen with that game uh because i don't know if it's going to get played i i i wonder what it would take to get a uh a hockey game in the city canceled or postponed and i feel like the way they're talking about this blizzard that's coming, uh, it seemed like this might be the fuck around and find out moment. For well, let me just say, let me just say that if you're going to be able to travel anywhere during a blizzard, it's going to be the city because the city's <laughs> going to be prepared infrastructure-wise. True. That I like, but like, if it gets if the the way like they're these like, it's the the wind is supposed to be so nasty on Friday. It's like I don't know what it takes to get the CTA line to stop, but if. If you have if the public transport can't operate because of how bad the weather is, then how do you justify having a hockey game in the city? Yeah, because like I'm telling you guys right now, like they shouldn't justify having work either. That's just my opinion. <laughs> oh, absolutely, though. I'm right there with you. Like again, uh, v- very much armchair armchair analyst on my behalf. I have no idea if this. Well, I might be making a big deal about nothing, but. Uh, just the way they've been talking about this storm the last few days, it's like uh, they're making comparisons to the the 2011 Groundhog's Day blizzard when I think there was like 18 inches of snow outside, depending on where you were. So I missed yeah. the game around that year because of uh, a blizzard. They played it. I think it was against the Stars. Yeah. But I remember like there are games where when you're coming from where we're at, it's hard to get up there. Yeah, yeah I, and I, I'm I'm coming from a place where we're freaking out about the first freeze of the year. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Shay, like even even for you, like where you're normally from, it's uh, driving into the city is like a pain in the ass, right? Like if it's a blizzard. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you get it. Oh yeah. No, driving into the city on Friday seems impossible. Like if you're if you're from the suburbs, I don't know how you're going to make it to that game. Uh, it's like it's ex- exclusively for people who are already in the city, and. Um, if, if there's there's issues with public transportation because of how bad the weather is, then. Well, what I have to say to those people is bon appetit. <laughs> yeah. But Enjoy. Be, yeah. Hopefully there's uh, some good food discounts or something offered that night or something. I don't know. Mm. 
Um, so we we might be. Uh, I I should point out we might be back next week based on there's games to talk about or things happen. Uh, it's kind of up in the air at this point. Uh, maybe we won't come back until 2023. Who knows? We're just kind of winging it right now. Uh, kind of like the Blackhawks on the ice. So there you go. Um, but if you've been listening to this episode, if this is your first one or if you've been listening all year, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate everyone who does listen. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe, follow along, all that other good stuff. If you want to leave us a good review somewhere on iTunes or whatever, that's much appreciated as well. Uh, thanks to Shay and Betsy and Mill for hanging out this evening and all throughout the season. And we're going to have uh, with our two new additions to staff. Uh, they might make their way onto these airwaves at some point. You're going to start seeing them at the website for sure. Um but just keep an eye on secondcityhockey.com and everywhere else. And as long as Twitter's still up, we'll still be there too. Although God knows what's going to happen to that website. I am on Twitter at dmelt 57 Shay is on Twitter at Jehovah's Witness. Mill is on Twitter at Mill182. The main account is at 2NDCityHockey. Betsy's not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. And I think that's everyone. Uh, I think that's it for the episode. I don't have anything else to say, so we're just going to wrap it up here. Thank you very much for listening once again. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever it is you're celebrating. I hope you have a splendid week, and uh, hopefully you don't watch the Blackhawks, or they just don't ruin it all for you. But we'll talk to you next time. See you then. <laughs>